Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Hey, let's bow for prayer, and then we'll get right back into my story, God's story, and your story, and how they all work together for something great, something incredible. In Jesus' name we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, work tonight. Open our eyes of understanding. Help our hearts to be receptive to what you want to teach us. God, if there's some that are in here that question whether you're even real, whether you exist, tonight I pray that you would show them. Speak to them in their heart. Let them hear from heaven. God, I pray that you would help me. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. God, keep me from saying things I shouldn't say. God, help me to keep it real and help me to keep it honest. Help me to be able to uh, not just speak head to head, but to speak heart to heart with these campers and the counselors in here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I left you hanging last night. My young life was in chaos. I was spiraling down fast. I was getting worse and worse. And I was either going to snap on someone or I was going to snap on myself. It was about to happen. And then right at that crucial time in my life, I get pulled out of that horrible home environment. This was no mere coincidence. Let me say that again. This was no mere coincidence. It was the perfect, sovereign, providential timing of God. But I didn't know it at the time. I was clueless. I wasn't sure what was going on. I, looking back, I can see things like with 2020 vision. Oh, that's what God was doing. That was Him. But it didn't make sense at the time. It wasn't clear when I was in the middle of it. Just like a lot of things in your life right now, they're not real clear. You can't see everything that's happening, like why it's happening and what's going to happen next and how this thing you're in right now is going to lead you to this next thing, which is going to make your life even better. God was beginning to work his plan of rescuing me, of healing me, and of raising me up to be someone that he could use to bring rescue to others and bring healing to others like I'm trying to do this week. God knew that he wanted to choose a young man with a very messed up background, with a broken heart that was full of anger, that had all sorts of issues mentally, emotionally, physically, addictions. And God wanted you guys to see and to hear a firsthand experience of what he can do in a person's life. Because what he can do in one life, he can do in another life. God has a plan for you. Even with all your pain, all your junk, all the things you're ashamed of, embarrassed of, even with the things you're addicted to that you wish you weren't addicted to, God can take all of that, all of it, and He can work it together for something good and beautiful. He can make beauty from ashes. That's the message we want to get clear this week. That's what God is in the business of. 
You just got to be willing to surrender and say, come, God, I need you to do that in my life. I give you my life, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that tonight. So my dad comes to me. I'm in seventh grade, had already started school. Things were bad. Things were really bad at home. He was getting into fistfights with my two uh, oldest, uh, st- my stepbrothers. And he takes me out to eat to a fast food restaurant called Roy Rogers, and he just says, Jason, I'm leaving her. I said, what? He goes, I'm leaving her, like, for good. I'm leaving this time. And I'm like, you're, you're, you're going to move out? And he's like, yes. And he's kind of talking to me like, I know you're going to want to stay with your mom, because he's so clueless to what's going on. And I said, I'm not staying with her if you leave. You've got to take me. I'm not staying with her. And I began to tell him some of what was going on over the last six to seven years. But I would only tell him like 50% because I didn't really trust my dad. I didn't know if he would go back and say something to her and then never really leave her. And then he goes off to work, and i got to deal with the repercussions of what she may do to me or her kids may do to me. So I only told him half. I told him enough to really make him go, that's it. I'm taking you with me. So I left for a middle school retreat with my church youth group. And he said, when you get back, I will have everything moved out and we're gone. I said, where are we going to go? Are you getting an apartment? He said, we're going to go live with Mark for a while. Mark was one of my oldest biological brothers. I hadn't seen Mark in six years. I wasn't allowed to see him. I said, Mark, the one that you guys say you don't like, the one you talk about, the one you say that's on drugs and he could be dealing drugs, the one that bankrupted his business and blah, 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 blah. And my dad was like, yeah, 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 he's doing really good now. He started a new business. He just bought himself a home, and he's cleaning up his life. Well, I was kind of scared to go live with Mark, but it was better than living with her and her kids. So he went to live with Mark. And it was awkward, but it was good to see him. I got teary-eyed seeing him. I hadn't seen him for six years. And he was my brother. And he had always been a good brother to me when I was little, when he was around. And all of a sudden, as we're living with Mark, I began to see a car driving around the neighborhood that we were living in. And I knew whose car it was. It was my oldest stepbrother, and I knew who was in it. It was him, and it was his mom, my stepmother. And they were looking for me. I got enrolled at the school in the neighborhood where my brother lived, We were in PG County, right outside of D.C., and uh, they were rolling around the neighborhood looking for me, and I believe what they were trying to do is kidnap me and take me. And I didn't know it at the time, but my dad, she wasn't just my stepmom, but there was a point where my dad allowed her to become um, my adopted mother. I had no say in this. And so she could have grabbed me and taken me, and there's nothing anybody could have done. She could say, legally, I'm his adopted mother. Check the paperwork. In fact, even the birth certificates were changed. It has her name on it now. Drives me freaking nuts. I didn't know my dad did that. So I told my brother, I said, they're in the neighborhood. They're looking for me. I told you guys, my brother, man, he's a little bit crazy, big power lifter guy, whatever. He just don't care. So my brother says, where are they? I said, see the white car down the street? I said, that's them. He says, stay here. (laughs) He goes outside the front door, and I can't say everything that he said because this is River Valley Ranch. But he said, hey, you want him? You want to come? Hey, you. Come on. 
And then my stepbrother, who was always overweight, he said, come on, fat boy. Come on down. I got something for you. I got something for you, too. And he called her some choice names. And I'm standing behind him at the door. Yeah. You want some? After a few months of living with my brother, I finally went to divorce court. There was a custody battle. My dad's attorney told me, he said, you better get on that stand and you better say what you've told me was happening in that home. I said, man, I can't say everything like that in front of her. Her kids are here. She's right there in front of me when I got to take the stand. He's like, you better spill the beans. I said, why? He said, because she'll get you. The state of Maryland always awards the mother. I said, she's not my mother. And he said, yes, she is on paper. She will get you. She will walk out of here with you today. I said, put me on the stand. And I began to say some of the things that happened in my home. And the judge finally stopped me. He said, young man, I've heard enough. The decision is made. Uh, The court awards you to your father. And so my dad got custody of me. Yeah, real good news, right? A couple months later, my dad and my brother keep arguing. They keep getting in really bad fights. They got me in tears because they can't stop fighting. My brother could never get along with my dad. My dad said, I'm going to leave. I said, where are you going to go? He said, I'm going to go with my new rich girlfriend. I had met her. She was a multimillionaire. Her husband owned one of the largest plumbing companies in the D.C. area. He passed away, left her everything. She owned one of the biggest mansions in P.G. County that there is. I'm talking pool with a waterfall, jacuzzi. I'm talking a weight room that's the size of most gyms and everything. And my dad thought, surely Jason's going to want to come live there. He said, come on, you can come live there. You have a room of your own. You got the pool. You got this. You got that. You got that. And I said, I'm not, I don't want to go. I'm not living with any more of your women. I'm done. He said, where are you going to live? I said, can I please stay with Mark? And he's like, I don't know if that's okay. I said, Mark, is that okay? Mark was like, it's okay. You can stay here. So my brother Mark became, we had to go back to court, and my brother Mark became my legal guardian. I lived with my brother Mark from the age of 12 to 18. That's where I lived. He was my guardian. He tried his best to take care of his little brother. And my other older brother Mike tried to take care of me, and I'd go to his house on the weekends. And my sister started pitching in, and she would try to take care of me. I'd hang out at her house sometimes on the weekend. They would pick me up from sports practice. My brother, my sisters, they started coming to my games. They started telling me, you're going to make something out of your life. You're going to do something. My dad didn't have very much to do in my life after that. So I'm in a much better, safer, secure, more loving environment, but I'm still struggling. I deal with anxiety and fear at different times, really bad. I had anger issues. I still wanted to hurt people. I kept talking about how in high school I wanted to play football, and I said, man, I can't wait to play football. I'm going to play defense. I want to play linebacker, outside linebacker. I said, man, I want to break somebody's leg. I want to do And I just kept talking like that, talking like that. And my brother would just look at me like, Jason, man, come on. My brother kept influencing me to go talk to a counselor, but I was like, I don't need a counselor. Man, don't say that. You make me feel weird. He just kept trying to say, Jason, I really think it would help you to talk out some things that have happened to you. I'm like, nothing happened to me. I'm fine. A lot of things I told you guys that happened to me, I had never told anyone back then. I wasn't planning to. 
the school I was going to when I was living with my brother, I was one of the only white kids at my new middle school. It was very hard. Usually it's the opposite, right? Usually there's, I, I just know a lot of students that I've worked with around the country that are like, man, I'm one of the only black kids in my school, and it's hard. Well, this was reverse where I was living in PG County. And I got in fights, and I got suspended. But through those fights, I also earned some respect, and I made a few friends. That was good. I was in. White boy was not afraid to fight. They said, you are boy. I said, I am. We cool. I felt awkward. I didn't have many friends. I still cried myself to sleep some nights. My brother began trying to influence me. He said, hey, man, when you graduate, you know, middle school, I really don't want you to go to the local high school here. He said, I think it's going to get even worse for you, Jason. He said, I want you to go to this private school. I said, what private school? He said, I want you to go to this private school, this Christian school, Riverdale Baptist. I said, man, I ain't going to no Christian school. He said, man, they got a really good sports program. I said, oh, are they the best among Christian schools? Did they win the Christian school conference championship? I was just dogged. I'm like, oh, aren't they awesome? I said, Mark, you know I want to play football. You know I want to wrestle. I said, what's a Christian school have? Flag football? Like a two-hand touch? I don't want to. I, I just made fun of all of it. He said, no, man, not Riverdale. They got, all, they, got, they got football and blah, 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 and I just blew it off. He kept trying to influence me. Man, I could care less about God. I could care less about the Bible, could care less about church, and I sure could care less about a Christian school. You know why? Because I saw hypocrisy. Every single person that abused me in my life, every single person that let me down, every single person that walked out on me claimed to be a Christian, every single one of them. This was all a joke to me. I'd never seen anybody that really lived the Christian life. So you want me to embrace that? You want me to follow that? My attitude towards God, I have my middle finger up. Whatever. Whatever. I don't care. My brother would make me go to church with him on Sundays, but, man, I just went because I had to. I didn't sing the songs. I didn't listen to the messages. I just did not care. I just cared about where we were going for lunch after church. In eighth grade, I got in a really bad accident. I was riding my bike one night, and a drunk driver hit me. I thought it was one of my brother's friends in a truck joking around, acting like he was going to hit me, but at the last minute, I realized he wasn't joking. That night, the guy almost killed me. He completely snapped my leg in half. I fell back, landed on my head, split my skull open. I was bleeding internally out of the ears, the nose, everything. I was fading in and out of consciousness. I still have issues from that accident today. That could be why I have chronic headaches. I don't, I don't know. I have bone spurs in my neck. I have curvature of the spine, sci- uh, uh, scoliosis. Um, I get sciatica a lot. My left leg hurts. I have a hip that's displaced. One leg's longer than the other now. I, I run funny. That guy almost killed me that night. He was coming from a strip club called the Hangar Club in Clinton, Maryland. He was drunk. 
When I was laying in the street, bleeding, coming out of, in and out of consciousness, I saw a really bright, bright something. I wasn't sure what it was. I don't know if it was lights from something, or I don't know if me hitting my head that hard was just triggering weird chemicals, and then everything went black. Both the light and the black kept coming back and forth, and they both really petrified me. The light didn't make me calm. It didn't give me a peace. The blackness, I remember I'm, I'm praying, God, please help me. God, please help me. I can hear paramedics saying, don't let him fall asleep, keep him awake. I can hear my brother screaming, Jason, 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 I'm fading in and out. God was trying to get my attention. I know that now. I just couldn't see it. If I would have died that night, I have no question I wouldn't have gone to be with God. I wasn't real with God. Make a long story short, man, I'm gonna... my brother has the pastor of the church that's affiliated with the Christian school come to my house. My brother calls me. I have my room downstairs in the basement. He said, Jason, come on upstairs. Somebody's here to see you. I come upstairs. I'm like, what's up? And I saw it was Pastor Herbert Fitzpatrick, the pastor of Riverdale Baptist. He was over the school and everything. And I looked at him. I looked at my brother. I cut him the eyes. And he knew. I was like, seriously, man, I'm going to kill you. Like, Seriously. Pastor Fitzpatrick was like, hey, Jason. He's like, why don't you sit down? I want to talk to you a little bit about our school. I was like, oh, okay, Pastor. And he began to talk about the school. And he was smart. He didn't talk about academics. He didn't talk about what it would do for me spiritually. He started right in with the athletic program. And uh, he said, you know, our baseball team is number one in the state of Maryland. I said, man, that's really good for Christian schools. He goes, I didn't say Christian schools. I said, well, you're surely not number one even among you know, all the other private schools, the Catholic schools and the public schools. He goes, yes, we are. We're also ranked in the USA Today. I said, really? He's like, he said, you didn't know that? I said, no, I didn't know that. I said, well, I'm not really interested in baseball. I'm interested in football. He says, we've got a great football program. I said, well, you really, really good, uh, caps- I mean, uh, flag football? He goes, no, man, we play tackle. I said, really? Who do you play? He started listing out the schools in Maryland that they played, and I said, uh, do you win? He said, we're ranked in the Washington Post in the top 25. I said, really? I said, well, man, also, I'm planning to wrestle, and I know you don't have a wrestling program. He goes, man, it's interesting that you say that. He said, we're about to start a wrestling program. We have a coach coming in that's going to be our middle school youth pastor at the church, but he's going to coach the program. He was a state champion in Maryland when he was in high school. He wrestled D1 in college, and now he's coming back here to start the program. My brother's just looking at me, smiling. There's no coincidence. No coincidence. I'm still trying to blow him off. I'm like, that's great, Pastor. That's really great, but I'm planning to go to Surrattsville, me and some of my friends that I made. He said, have you ever been to our school? I said, no, I haven't visited yet. That's cool. And he goes, no, you really need to visit. I said, well, why is that? This old pastor, man, he was a funny-looking dude, short guy, pudgy belly, little beady glasses, had only hair in the back of his head. It was gray hair, but he flipped it to the front to make it look like he had a full head of hair. It was the weirdest thing i ever seen, man. I'm like, just just shave it all, dude. What's wrong with you? He looked at me, and he said, you really need to visit our school. We got a a lot of pretty young ladies at our school. I said, what? He's like, I'm serious, Jason. You ought to come to our school. We got a lot of pretty young ladies. I was like, is that so? 
He said, yeah. I said, all right. He said, you come for a visit. We've already started school. We start early. Public schools haven't started. You come for a visit. I said, I don't have a uniform. He said, just come, dress up like you would for church. Just wear whatever you wear for church. Just come for a visit. I came for a visit. I walked in the door. There was this blonde-haired girl there. She noticed me. She said, oh, my gosh, hi, are you new? I said, yes, I am. (laughs) She said, do you know where to go? I said, no, I don't. Could you help me? She said, yes. She said, we're heading over to chapel right now. Why don't you just follow me? I'll show you how to get there. She was so nice. She was pretty. It was exciting. I began to follow her, and this girl walked by. And I was like, oh, my. She was gorgeous. Like, she was, she, she was straight, just model. And I was like, she going to chapel? She says, yeah, we're all going. I said, we're all going. We're all going to chapel. <laughs> then this other girl walked by. She beat that girl. And I saw her. Is she going to chapel? We're all going to chapel. I said, we all going to chapel. <laughs> well, that second girl that walked by, on June 1st, I celebrated 23 years with her. I've been trying to tell you, it is no coincidence. So I was interested in the athletics, but I was most definitely interested in the females. I finished the day, I said, where do I get one of these uniforms to fit in with everyone? I want to be a Riverdale Baptist Crusader. So I became one. And I made fun of things. Anytime they had to do with chapel, worship, I made fun of it. Bible class, I made fun of it. I'm still addicted to porn. I'm extremely disrespectful. I'm cheating anytime I can. I'm self-absorbed. You would not have liked me then. You would not want to talk to me. But I would have told you that I was a Christian. Because when I was younger, all growing up, being raised in the church, I heard the message of Jesus, that he died on the cross for our sins, that he rose from the dead on the third day, and that if you place your faith in him and you pray to ask him in your heart, you can be saved. So all growing up, I prayed probably 3,000 times Jesus coming to my heart because I went to one of those churches that talked about hell a lot, and they were always trying to scare people, and they scared me. And so, man, almost every time I got scared, I'd raise my hand when the preacher said to. I'd ask Jesus in my heart. I'm like, look, if you didn't go in the first time, you come in this time. If you didn't go in... On the thousandth time, this time, I'm scared. This guy is crazy talking about weeping and gnashing of teeth and that the worm doesn't perish, and I don't even know how there's worms in that. What is he talking about? He's talking about the book of Revelation. There's a beast. It's just crazy. And I got baptized twice when I was growing up. But I was lost. It was a joke. I was a fake. I was a phony. I just wanted a magic prayer that you could kind of pray, you know, like, you know, like a genie in a bottle. I just wanted this kind of thing like, Jesus, come into my heart. Now I don't go to hell, but I can live any way I want. Listen to me. I wanted Jesus as Savior, but I did not want Jesus as Lord, and you can't have it like that. 
You don't, it doesn't work like that. Let me say it again. I wanted Jesus as Savior. I wanted a ticket out of hell, and I wanted to live any way I wanted, but I didn't want to make Jesus the master of my life. I didn't want him to be the sovereign Lord that he is. I wanted to rule my life. So I had never done that. So one day in 11th grade, I'm sitting in a chapel service, man. I'm sitting with my girlfriend, the guys from the football team, the wrestling team. There's this guy speaking. His name is Rick Gage. He comes in, man. I'm like, who is speaking, man, for this spiritual emphasis week we got? Who they got, man? Another fat preacher that comes in here trying to tell me how I should be in life, and he can't even control what he eats. He's so huge. Like, I was so, that's how I was. I was like, these preachers come in here, they want to preach on everything but gluttony. And why don't they preach on gluttony to a bunch of fat guys? I, I mean, I, I, it's how it was. And my, my friends would just look at me, they're like, man, calm down, dude. I was like, you know, it's true. And so I was like that, and I was going to make fun of worship and everything. I was voted class clown. That was all a joke to me. So anyway, he comes in. And he was unlike any chapel speaker we had before. I was very materialistic. I looked on the outward. I cared about people's appearances, just like a lot of you guys do. I didn't care about the heart. This guy came in, and he was built. Like, when he came in, if he would have flexed his peck, he would have knocked me out right there on the third row. His biceps were bulging. He's holding the Bible, and he came in, and he spoke with, like, an authority like this. Young people, you better listen to me. And I was like, man, I'm listening. And I found out he was a college football coach as well. He traveled the country as an evangelist speaking. His name was Rick Gage. Dude caught my attention. I sat up in my chair. He began to preach the gospel. He began to talk about Jesus. But this time when he was talking about Jesus, it was more than him talking. It was God talking to my heart. God was working down deep in my heart, man. He was drawing me to himself. He was telling me, Jason, you need to be saved for real. And I kept saying, I am saved. I am saved. I said the prayer. I was baptized. I was like, get off. I was fidgety in my seat. But that day in chapel, I finally quit fighting God, and I just surrendered. You see, the Bible talks about it. I don't have time to read it tonight. I was going to read it maybe tomorrow night. But in Luke 15, you don't have to put it up, man, because I don't have time to read it. It's a story of Jesus telling a parable of the one lost sheep. Jesus says he leaves the 99 sheep. He has 100 sheep, but he says he tells this parable where there's 99 sheep that are safe. They're with the master, but one got lost. He said the shepherd goes after the one lost sheep, and he won't stop until he finds it. I was the one lost sheep on that day, and God wasn't going to give up. He kept coming at me. He kept tugging at my heart. He kept saying, Jason, you know something ain't right. You know I'm the answer. I kept saying, I am saved. I said the prayer. And he was like, you got nothing. You got nothing. God kept coming. He came for his lost sheep. And I finally responded. That was the day in 11th grade. I got up out of my seat right at the end of chapel. Before the guy even said for anybody to do anything like this, I just got up out of my seat. I came to the stage, and I just got on my knees. And I began praying. I thought everybody was going to think I'm a freak, or I thought they were going to think Jason's just screwing around again, being funny, and this ain't funny because that guy could knock him out by flexing his peck. What are you doing? My girlfriend, everybody was like, what are you standing up for? I said, excuse me, excuse me. And I went and I did business with God. You say, what do you mean you did business with God? I had a head faith in God. I believed, with God. I believed in God with my head. I believed in Jesus in the gospel up here. 
but I never took it from here to here. The Bible says that you have to have a heart faith in order to be saved. Romans chapter 10. You got to have a heart faith. You say, what's the difference between a head faith and a heart faith? One changes you, one does not. When it goes from here to here, you say, Jesus, I give you my life, and I know that when I walk out this door, I'm going to do my best to follow you. I'm not playing games. I'm not just looking for a ticket out of hell. I don't just want Jesus as Savior. Jesus, you're Lord, and I need you as Lord. And that's what he was, he was pounding me with that. And I knew, man, I knew when I got up from praying, I knew I was going to follow Jesus. I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know what all that looked like. But, dude, he got me. He got, he got me, man. That was the day. That was the day that 2 Corinthians 5.17 became a reality. It's my life verse. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Do you get what that's saying? When you become a real Christian, if anyone is in Christ, when you become a real Christian, that's what it's saying. If anyone is in Christ, if anyone is a real Christian, the old life passes away. Behold. A new life comes. It's like the person does a 180-degree turn. I was going this way. I was living for myself. I was living for pornography. I was living for whatever pleased me. And I turn away from it. And I'm going to follow you, Jesus. That's a 180-degree turn. And that in the Bible is what's called repentance. 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 Repent. That's a heart belief. Do you know how many people are going to die and go to hell, that got a head belief in Jesus, they know about Jesus. They can talky-talky about Jesus a whole lot. But it's never gone from here to here. Because if it went from here to here, you would see a change in their life. Not a perfect life, but you would see this. I'm going to begin to follow you. Oh, I slipped. I fell. Oh, it's pulling back at me. But I'm going to still follow. I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. That's real Christianity. That's real salvation. I I didn't see that growing up. But in high school, I finally began to see it. I began to see a couple teachers that were living it out, that I would go talk to during lunchtime, that began helping me with my issues. The youth pastor at the church, I began watching him live it out and be the real deal. He would invite me over his house. I would watch the way he treated his wife. I would watch the way he treated his kids, the way he would tuck them in, the way he would tickle them, the way he would love them, the way that he would pray with them. I would watch him take his son to football games and his daughters to, to, to cheerleading and things like that. I would watch him live with integrity. I would watch him love and adore his wife and make her the priority. He was my youth pastor 25 years ago. To this day, he is still, he is, he is the number one spiritual father figure in my life. I talk to him every single week for the last 25 years. He's on my board of directors for my ministry. He checks on me. He checks on my wife to this day. He won't let me bullcrap about anything because he'll go behind me and ask my wife, how's he really doing? How's he treating you? How's he treating the kids? How's he treating the dogs? I'm like, dude, leave the dogs out of this. They've been bad. I got two labs. They're bad. Or one of them is. I'll talk more about him tomorrow. You'll never, you'll never see him on the cover of any Christian magazine. 
You'll never find his book in a bookstore. I've never, ever met a Christian like him. I've never had a man love me and get in my grill and disciple me and help me through my hard issues like this man. I've never had anyone get my back. I could tell you so many stories about this guy. I gave my life to Jesus. He changed me. That was the beginning. I'll tell you more tomorrow about how those changes began to happen, what happened to me in high school, what happened in college, and how it just kept crazy stuff, good stuff happening. What about you? What about you? Just up here, Jesus, you know all the facts of the gospel. You know that he died and he rose. Has it gone from here to here? Has there ever been a time in your life where you did this? I'm done with my old life. I want new life. I want a new leader. I want new longings. And I want a new love in my life. I need meaning. I need purpose. I'm following you. Take me. Take all my junk. Take all my issues. I'm in. I'm following. Have you ever done that and meant it? I'm not asking you to become religious. I'm not asking you to join a denomination or a church. I'm not asking you if you've gone through catechism. I'm not asking you if you've been christened, baptized. I don't care. The Bible says, Jesus says, will you come and follow me? Do you follow Jesus? That's heart belief. you got to figure that out this week. That's up to you, man. I'm not going to force anybody. I'm not going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you come down here. But if you need to do business with God, you need to do business with God this week. You could do that tonight in your small group time. You could tell your counselor what he was talking about. I've never done that. Can I do that in small group? Can you show me how? They'll help you with that. We'll talk more about it tomorrow. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thanks for helping me through tonight. I sincerely mean that. God, I pray that you would work in hearts. Wake these students up. Help them to see, God, that they don't just need you as Savior. They do need you as Lord. They need you as leader, as master. We don't know how to live our lives. We don't know how to do this. We don't know how to make it through the hard stuff. We don't know how to break addictions. God, wake them up. Show them that that's what you're there for, to bring beauty from ashes. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.